Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, January 14th, 2019 edition of Invest Talk. And I welcome all of you. I am Justin Klein. I thank you for joining me today and for this hour that hopefully will give you some education on how to make your investing skills better, uh, your your strategy better, as well as understand where we are in the market, in the market cycle, which is a very important aspect to uh, any strategy. And our daily objective here is to make you an above average investor, help you achieve that goal. And I promise to provide my unbiased insight. And along the way, I welcome your investment questions. You can get through, as always, to our anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. That's 888-992-4278. Now, the market opened down this morning, rallied a little bit, and then sold off near the end of the day. Uh, tech stocks were were not doing that well uh, today. Overall, the FANG trade continues to be a weak one. After a bounce, uh, we still are in an environment where tech isn't your friend. I continue to get calls about tech, about chip stocks, and you know that's well and good, but frankly, it's just not the environment for those names you think that are very exciting. So you had to be very nimble in this market, very selective. It is a very risky market that we are in today, and I, I welcome your questions about that, about why, about you know what uh, what will work in this market because uh, it, this isn't an indexing market, right? Uh, this is your index funds aren't going to work. Yeah, they got a rally over the last couple weeks, but it was a very oversold rally, and now we're overbought. Uh, but the trend, at least medium term, is still down. And profit seasons, the profit season is here. In 2018, profits were up about 20%, but that is going to be a lot lower this year, probably single digit growth, if at all, right? So a lot of it depends on where the economy goes uh, for the rest of the year. Are we going to go into a recession this year? I still think it's possible. Probably not early in the year, but second half of the year, definitely possible. Now, PG&E is down 48% th- today uh, to about $9 a share. The wildfires in California have just created massive liabilities for the utility. Uh, you know, We never thought it would get to this point. Um, but you know, we, we had owned PG&E for clients. I'll, I'll be honest, you know, we lost money on it, but obviously sold a lot higher than it was today. Cause this is, uh, the lowest it's been in, in decades. So, uh, they're filing for bankruptcy and it just shows how bad of a political environment California is for companies of any kind, even utilities. So uh, it's pretty sad. Now, Apple watchers and investors, listen up. Apple has forced intense scrutiny over slowing 
iPhone sales, uh, which the company has argued will be offset at least in part by its services revenue. Uh, note by RBC Capital Markets is estimating that Apple services revenue has slowed to 18% year-over-year growth in December in the December quarter, compared to 20 ex expectation of 27%. So, you know, they're not living up to that hype either. Uh, doesn't mean I don't like Apple, but uh, that's kind of the the recent news that we've seen. Now, there could be a change happening in the public perception of social media platforms. Facebook and Twitter stocks are trading lower. And I still continue to say, Facebook is not the place to be. People keep buying it because it went down, went down, it went down 20% that day. And they go, oh, let's buy Facebook. It's cheap. Uh -uh. Facebook has a longer term structural problem. Lack of privacy is viewed as more and more as unhealthy and very negative for some users. Even though some people remain addicted to it, it's still not good for, I think, society as a whole in many cases. And they need to fix themselves to make, Facebook needs to be positive for society as opposed to the many negatives it has, br it has brought, especially uh, Instagram. Now, Steve Peasley's Northern California portfolio consultation dates are drawing closer. So let me remind you that Steve will be returning to San Jose on January 23rd. It's coming up, what, a week from Wednesday? Space is limited, but if you register soon, Steve can meet you with you one-on-one -on -one to review your portfolio, your strategy, your financial situation. Could your portfolio be doing much better? I, I bet you it can. If you're indexing, you probably can, because <laughs> this is not an environment for that. So this is a no-cost portfolio review. It's uh, very prof probable that he can help you in some way, shape, or form. To register, go to investtalk.com. Now, as you can tell, there's a lot of market news today. But first, let's grab a question from our listener line. Let's go to Josh in Dallas. He has a 401k question. Uh, hey, Justin. Thanks for everything you do. I had a question regarding 401k. I uh, recently... Uh, changed my jobs and uh, I already made a contribution to my Roth IRA, but I found out the employer uh, for 401k, traditional 401k, uh, employer kind of uh, puts in $8 for every $100 that you contribute. Mm -hmm. uh, so I wasn't, I was uh, kind of thinking whether it's worth it to uh, go the traditional 401k path still. Um, if I already have Roth IRA, I mean, the match did not seem um, that much promising to me, yeah. So, are you saying you you you're talking about your old employer or your current employer? Uh, current employer, yeah. So they put in eight dollars for every hundred dollars that you put in. Yeah. Are you sure that's that's? I've never heard of that because usually it's a it's a matching percentage. Uh, no, so that's what I thought. Like initially, uh, typically the employers tend to match up to some percent, uh, like five percent. They'll match hundred percent, for example. Yeah. But in this case, they yeah. are simply adding eight dollars uh, on top of every hundred dollars you contribute to your own four hundred one k. So uh, the match itself is uh, not that uh, much at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's a eight percent of your 
whatever you put in, which is, is nice. It's a nice little butt boost, uh, and it's guaranteed, so yeah. that's positive. It, what are your are your options pretty good within the 401k, or are they kind of limited like most plans? Uh, they're pretty good. It's with Fidelity, so uh, there are a bunch of um, uh, ETFs that we could choose, um, as well as uh, targeted retirement plans as well, yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say that, well, let's first, let me ask this question. What type of tax bracket? Are you in a high tax bracket, low tax bracket? Uh, I, I would say uh, like low tax bracket, uh, not like the extreme uh, between uh, like our uh, annual income would be between uh, 150 to 250. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that, that. Wouldn't say that's a, a low tax bracket. That's for sure. Yeah, you're you're kind of in you're kind of in the middle. Um, so it's a, a little bit tougher. If you're in a low tax bracket, I would say the Roth is a great choice because you're locking in a low tax base. But you know, being kind of in a middle tax uh, bracket, it, it's not quite as clear cut. Um, and the fact that you don't have a, a great um, a great match makes me say do the Roth maximize the Roth and then anything on top of that that you want to save then do the 401k yeah yeah that, that makes sense I really appreciate everything you do thanks again thank you Josh now if you have any uh, if, if any of the information discussed on today's program raises any further questions in your mind please give us a call you can reach out to me, ask questions uh, via our website, contact Justin, contact Steve, and that will go straight to our email boxes. You can call our Dana Point, California offices, and you can see that number over there on investtalk.com. But right now, our anytime listener line is open and it never closes. I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Have you visited investtalkacademy.com? You should. It can help you learn to invest like a pro because it features online classes that can teach you how to grow your investments independently. And you can learn more at investtalkacademy.com. Have you got a question for Justin? He's here and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. Now our main talking point today is the big market corrections often see the failure of an initial strong counter rally. So what are some of the technical signals in the stock market now, and how are they similar as during the financial crisis of two thousand eight? We're going to talk about that. Also volatility. Vol if you remember, if you were paying attention to the markets, you remember last January, February time frame, there was a volatility blow up where uh, some of the ETNs, uh, these, these funds that were short volatility blew up. Uh, and it's kind of a complicated trade for some people, but basically it is profiting on the lack of volatility in the market. That's what these ETFs or ETNs were, were doing. And there were many of them that were popular and they did very, very well. And they tend to do very, very well 
until they don't. And some of them were like wiped out, 90 plus percent losses overnight. Uh, and there was, so that was a huge volatility event. However, the problems in the low vol trade or um, just the, the, the low volatility regime that we had for a decade because of quantitative easing is now gone. And we're in a new regime. And the big question is, what does that mean for markets? So we're going to talk about that. Also, seven things you need to know about Brexit. Everyone talks about Brexit. But what is Brexit? What does it mean? Why is it even important? I think is a huge question that many people don't have answers to. So we're going to get to that. And then lastly, so there's some big China trade news out overnight. And the big question is, what does that mean for you and the market and your portfolio? So we're going to get to all of those things, plus whatever is on your mind. So I want to hear from you. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Let's take a quick look at the markets. Uh, we had broadly a down day, but it wasn't a big down day by any means. Uh, you had... Let me load this up on my white charts. If you're watching on uh, our YouTube live stream, you'll be able to see what is on my screen and, and you know what kind of things I'm looking at throughout the show. So that can be helpful for any of you out there. Like I said, uh, we've had a rally off the lows pretty much the day after Christmas, right? We had that huge sell-off Christmas Eve. We've rallied back pretty strong uh, into resistance. You know, we're at the 50-day moving average on the major indexes. And you're starting to see this move peter out a little bit. The S&P closed down about a point. Uh, pretty much every major index was down a point, except for, um, sorry, not a point, a percent, around a percentage point. Uh, small caps were down uh, nine tenths of one percent. Same with the Qs. Uh, SPY, S&PX, S&P 500 index was down about half a percent. So it was a modest down day overall for the markets. But like I said, we still remain in a downtrend medium term. And now we're overbought. So that's a bad recipe. You have an overbought in the short term and a downtrend in the medium term. Now, long term, I would say the long term trend still remains up because we're above some longer term moving averages on the major indexes when you're looking at weekly and monthly charts. Uh, however, you know, liquidity keeps tightening. And that's something we're going to talk about a little bit more and what will likely drive the increased volatility in the markets in 2019, even compared to last year. I know last year seems like crazy volatile, but it was actually more normal than, uh, you know, the, the, based on history. Okay. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. That's how you get through and ask your question on today's show. I want to hear from you. 888 chart It may be hard to believe, but we are already into the third week of 2019. Maybe now is a good time to get your portfolio in shape. Steve Peasley is returning to San Jose on Wednesday, January 23rd. If you act quickly, you can sit down with Steve for a no-cost portfolio review. Register now at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open, Justin's here, and he's ready for your questions. 888-99-CHART.
Let's go to John in Santa Cruz. How you doing, John? Good, thank you, Justin, for taking my call. Um, yeah, no problem. About Western Digital. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Uh, you're you're I, looking to uh, buy it. You want to you you want to you do own it. Yes. You're looking at the dividend. Why do you want to talk about it? Uh, the dividend, but more than the dividend, I'm I'm thinking that it, there might be some upside because. Well, I'm looking at it on Y charts, and it to them mm-hmm. it's very attractive, and it's what 23.5 percent undervalued. So I'm wondering if you agree yeah. with that assessment. Um, what you think? I'm wondering why it's gone down so much in the last six months. Well, it's gone down so much because the chip sector as a whole uh, and the tech sector as a whole has gone down a lot. And uh, earnings in 2018 are $14.73. Well, analysts are supposed to said it's supposed to make $7 a share this year and it's only $7.54 a share next year. So earnings expectations for this year and going forward have come down a lot. And that's why the stock's down 64% from its 52-week high. And revenues are down 3% year-over-year. Earnings are down 15% year-over-year. Now, the big question is, has it gone down enough, right? Okay. Uh, what do you think? Well, the, the, enterprise value, well the, think the enterprise value to EBITDA is about 4. So that's what I'm going to start with. Enterprise value to EBITDA is about 4. That's very cheap. That's very low. Now, EBITDA can go down a lot more, right? That's, a, that's trailing 12 months. EBITDA could go down a lot more, um, but their free cash flow is still positive, 400 million uh, last quarter, which is still very strong. And the the chip sector is very cyclical, so I like to be buying at the bottom end of this cycle, and I think we're near there. Uh, now, could go lower? Sure, it absolutely could. But I like Western Digital down here. We've uh, been picking it up uh, around these levels for clients, and. I think the dividend is sustainable. While its payout ratio is over 100%, its cash dividend payout ratio is only 21%, meaning they have plenty of cash flow to pay out that dividend, at least in the near term. Now, they do have about $7 billion in debt. That's probably the biggest worry that I would have uh, for the company. Um, but you know, in a world where uh, the cloud is getting bigger and people we're, store, we're creating more and more data every single day uh, because of the our phones that we use and all the things that we're doing on the internet, uh, their products are going to be in demand and you know them and Seagate while their business is cyclical I still think they're going to be uh, in demand long term but it's going to be a volatile ride just like you've seen over the past um, you know six months or so okay sounds good I appreciate it thanks for the call John that was Western Digital WDC is the symbol now let's get to our main talking point today, and the big question is, are some technical signals in the stock market now similar to where they were during the financial crisis? And some of them were are at extremes, to be honest with you. And one of the big ones is the NYC McClellan Oscillator, the NYMO. And it's had some attention over the last few days, and there's been extreme oversold readings Back uh, late last year, you know, around the Christmas time frame, and w- when it gets to negative 100, that means it's oversold. You know, the market's very, very oversold from a technical perspective, and when it gets above 100, it's very, very overbought. Well, we were 
at negative 100, and then just, uh, what, two weeks later, we're now above 100, 117. And this is not uh, actually uncommon in times where there's uh, market disruption, right? Maybe liquidity disruption. The I always say the best, some of the best rallies happen in bear markets. Uh, the quickest, strongest rallies. Why? Because there are people covering their shorts, right? They're trying to... They, they try to get into the short uh, trade as markets are, are plummeting. And it's usually the worst time, right? Because as soon as the market gets a little bit of strength, all those short sellers start to cover. And that adds fuel to the rally. Okay? And that's kind of what's happened over the last couple weeks. But it's very odd for it to be at negative 100 and then positive 100 within a very short time frame. But that actually happened in November of 2008 in January of 2009, right in the heart or right near the end uh, of the financial crisis. Now, in 2008-2009, the first quarter served as the ultimate low, right? But back then, there were active measures like bailouts, quantitative easing, mark-to-market suspension, things like that that changed the way the market was working. Um, asset prices were pri were priced right mark to market for example and there was actually there was action going on dovish action from the federal reserve now today they talk about maybe less quantitative tightening or being more dovish talk right from the fed but nothing actually dovish has happened and so to me this is a sign that no this isn't near where the market is bottoming it's actually the start and the continuation of a bear market that we are in right now. Now, tomorrow on Invest Talk, anyone can suffer from financial investing errors, yet there are a few money blunders that the super rich generally don't make. So, we're going to talk about that tomorrow. Give me a call, 888 99 Chart. It may be hard to believe, but the average 401k investor misses out on over $5,000 per year in investment gains. Why? Well, poor timing and subpar investment choices. This is what the studies show us. This is the challenge of the typical 401k, and that's the whole reason for Active 401k. And that's why we have Active 401k. That's why we launched the program for our listeners and our clients, because it's very difficult to allocate a 401k account. These plans have limited choices. You've got to make the changes. Now, if you have a 401k account, this is a program that you should know about. It ranks your current options within your current employer's plan, and then all you do is log in and make the changes. We'll tell you what to buy, what percentages, and what funds. If you'd like to see more about it, just go to investtalk.com investtalk.com and click on the investments tab from KPP Financial and it may be just what you've needed This is Invest Talk and we're glad you're with us today for one hour of financial news and perspective and your decision making process can benefit from this practical and unbiased advice especially if you consult with Steve or Justin Step up now with your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve uh, and KPP. Uh, thank you for everything you guys do. Quick question on uh, PCG 
stock symbol, PG&E Corporation. Obviously, we've, everybody knows about the drastic drop. When do you think uh, it will bottom out, and will they hit Chapter 11? And if not, what kind of other bankruptcies might they have? Because I'm still bullish with the stock long term, and I, I want to know what you think. Thank you very much. Bye. They're done. PCG, they're going to file for bankruptcy, and I think the investors are going to be wiped out. I think you're, you need to move on. We moved on a while ago. Uh, this is going to be something that plays out over many years, possibly. And they're, they're in a tough political environment in California. The, California makes the utilities liable for the fires, and fires are only getting worse. Uh, and so until the rules change within California of who's liable for these fires, you know, it's just a terrible business to be in. And I think it's shame on the, the politicians in California because it's not PG&E's fault for this, but they're going to be held liable. Uh, and it's, it's the end game and this is it. Uh, it's sad. Uh, you know, like I said, we, we, we lost money on it. Uh, but these things happen and, you know, I didn't think, I, I figured the politicians would have more common sense, but clearly they don't. So, you know, you move on, it's done. So sell PCG, don't be bullish long-term. Uh, I think the equity will eventually be wiped out, uh, reorganized, and you know the politicians in California are going to have to deal with the consequences of whatever happens next. Now let's get to our next talking point, that's about volatility, right? Last year was the start of the unraveling in a dramatic fashion of the short volatility trade that had been going on for nearly a decade. And uh, we had the blow up of a few volatility funds earlier in the year uh, that just exacerbated the stock market turmoil earlier in the year and really shook some investors. But these funds were only about $5 billion worth of a $2 trillion trade in the the, 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 the volatility um, sector, right? The volatility trade. And while markets rallied from there, you really saw a new regime change of where volatility has gone throughout the year. Now, the VIX volatility index jumped by 20% or more a dozen times last year. Something only done 24 times in the previous five years, right? So it's very different. Uh, we're in a very different environment and we're transitioned to a higher volatility environment as it effect, and it has affected different markets differently. Now, many in the industry hope that this year will be better, but also many expect that this will be even more turbulent than last year. Why? Because liquidity continues to dry up because central banks aren't printing as much money, the, the Fed is doing QT, and after years of relatively smooth sailing in the markets, volatility is likely going to rock the boat again. Why? Because of tightening monetary policy, trade tensions, as well as too much debt. We've just added to the debt levels that we've seen in the overall economy since the financial crisis. So that has not changed. So the low volatility bubble that expanded during the post-financial crisis era is starting to deflate. And if you look at the world through the lens of volatility, 
you see some uh, you see a market markets that are out of sync that are fragile and they still continue to underprice the risk of the regime change that is volatility while some of the markets have woken up to this change credit markets were kind of the last one right it started with equities but now it's spread to government bonds currencies commodities and now corporate bonds into varying varying degrees okay so this is going to be a tricky environment for traditional investors to invest in because they're not accustomed to a period where central banks are just going to come in and print money and, and lower interest rates whenever there's volatility we're not in that environment environment anymore and in fact i think this regime change will eventually create more social unrest right because there's going to be more volatility it's going to affect banks and wealthy institutions wealthy individuals and if the fed does qe4 are, are people going to love that look what's happening in france and there's riots in france and i think if the the fed comes in and bails out banks and corporations and the wealthy again during this next bear market recession downturn of whatever nature it is i could easily see this turning into more social unrest and I think that's the bigger risk that we I see more longer term, because the the Fed and the and the, and the government government has just kicked the can down the road by printing money, adding on debt, and making the future more unsustainable, and stealing gains and and returns from the future. So we're in a different environment, and I've said this many times. This is not an indexing environment. You are not going to do very well by just indexing. You need to become more active, more intelligent to how you execute a particular strategy that you're trying to deploy, whether that's an aggressive one, a conservative one, a moderate one. So be prepared for a different market environment going forward. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we stream and broadcast Invest Talk live at the 4 o'clock Pacific Time hour each weekday. It's also available 24-7 via our archive podcast at investtalk.com. And you can subscribe and listen on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play as well. I hope you'll tell your friends and family members about InvestTalk. And now, the phone lines are open for you. We're taking your financial and investing questions live at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to InvestTalk, made possible by KPP Financial. If, to any degree, you are ever unsure about the consistency of your skill set with regard to managing your portfolio, it may be a smart time for you to ask KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein for their individualized guidance. You can start with a no-obligation phone call to the KPP Financial Office in Dana Point, California, or send Steve and Justin a message through investtalk.com. The InvestTalk radio and podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. You can call with questions. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve. Hey, Justin. My name is Jason. Uh, calling from Jacksonville, Florida. I have a question about Chesapeake Energy. I have a small position in it, and I got a voting proxy in my email. And one of the things that was asked was if I was for or against increasing the amount of shares from 2 million 
to 3 million shares for Chesapeake. Just curious, in case the board of directors goes through with that, how would they issue a million shares like that? Would they have like a secondary offering or would they kind of leak them out? How would that work? Huge fan of the show. Look forward to the answer on the podcast. Have a great evening. All right. It's a, it's a great question. Now, typically, there's a lot of ways they could do it. Um, so if they're basically approving a dilution of you as a shareholder, they can do that and hold on to some of the shares and not sell them in the market. Uh, or they can do it all at once, right? So they could approve it and sit on it, or they could sell all a million shares at one time. Uh, through an investment bank, typically, right? The investment bank will go out there and they have clients, whether that's mutual funds, hedge funds, uh, individual investors, uh, institutions that are in the market for shares of corporations. And they'll go and pitch them Chesapeake's value, right? Why they think this is a good investment. And they'll place those shares uh, into the hands of their clients. And they'll take a fee to do that. Uh, so that's what they typically will do. Uh, now they could also slowly sell those shares into the market, uh, over time. So it's really up to them. There's a lot of ways. There's not one way to skin a cat. They're trying to raise capital clearly because the stock now is down to under $3 a share. Uh, I believe they have a lot of debt. Yeah, the enterprise value at about $15 billion. Mark cap's only 3 So they have over $11, $12 billion in debt that they're, they're probably trying to deal with. And a million shares or uh, at $3 is probably not going to change that too much. But... You know, to me, this is a name that is under deep distress. They have negative free cash flow. And I don't know if they can dig themselves out of it, to be frank. I don't know a ton about the company. They're obviously an oil and gas producer. They used to be one of the largest when their share was $26 a share back in 2014. Now we're at $2.73. So even the, the recovery in oil and natural gas prices as uh, the last couple of years hasn't benefited them or allowed them to fight their way out of financial distress. So my, my conviction would be they're probably going to go bankrupt. It's just a matter of timing as opposed to if, I think, just based on their financial picture and their sales uh, and their profitability metrics, which aren't too great. So uh, I would just sell the stock, to be frank, and move on. Let's go to Bob in Hercules. He wants to ask about the PCG bankruptcy. Yes. Um, I, I'm on under the, uh, I'm, I'm thinking if they do bankruptcy uh, chapter 11, um, do the shareholders, do, do they still get, you know, something or is PG&E able to be safe from all debtors? Uh, well, they're going to be negotiating with the debtors. Uh, now the big question is, what's their liability because of these fires? That's still yet to be seen. You know, this is a complicated case. Uh, it's not a simple bankruptcy, but 99 out of 100 bankruptcies, the current shareholders are wiped out. 
now they may come out with a new share class, right, of the new company once they, they, they come out of bankruptcy. But the odds are, as a shareholder, current shareholder of the company, you're likely going to be wiped out. Now, I, I don't know the details. Like I said, it's a very complex case. Uh, you may be left with something. I don't know, um, but I never like to bank on that. If a company's filed for bankruptcy, I just assume this stock is worthless because 99 times out of 100, it is. Uh, so I wouldn't be gambling on this. I think eventually PCG will be worth nothing. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Bob. 888.99 chart, 888-992-4278. We have about 10 minutes left in the show, so if you're going to give us a call, you want to do that now. Let's talk a little bit about Brexit. Brexit, uh, you, you've probably heard about it, and you may know something about it, but the big question is, what does it mean? And the first, the answer to the first question is, on June 23rd of 2016, the UK held a ref referendum, and there was a high turnout. 72% of voters turned out. 30 million people turned out. And... The leave option was voted on 52 to 48, basically. 52% to 48. So they want to leave the European Union. Now, per the rules of the EU treaty, they have two years to leave the EU. And that clock started on March 29th of 2017, meaning at the end of the first quarter of this year, they need to be out of the EU. Now, first question is, what is the EU? Well, it's a 28-member block, 28 different countries, covering 1.7 million square miles with a population of 510 million people. And you put that all together, it's the largest economic block in the world, much bigger than us in here in the United States, in China. It is the largest economy in the world as a whole, the European Union. No, so it functions as a single market with the same laws and policies intended to promote peace and freedom of movement among members of the countries. And it functions as a trading block. So it's the rules. Think of NAFTA with us and uh, Canada and Mexico. That's a trading block. Okay. So this is the same thing, but instead of three countries, there's 28. So if you want to leave that, it's going to be complex. Think about us negotiating with uh, Canada and Mexico. Now you got to negotiate with 28 different countries. And so there could be a soft Brexit, which means the UK would still have the same kind of uh, rules and laws around uh, all of these things. But it just wouldn't be a member of the state, but it'd have to pay a, a small amount to stay in with these laws or these rules, right? A hard Brexit, on, in contrast, means it would leave the EU completely and it would have more control over its immigration policies and negotiate its own trade deals with all the 20, I guess, seven different trade partners. Now, what's the most likely outcome? Well, Theresa May has proposed an exit agreement that starts with a soft Brexit, meaning you stay kind of with the rules, and then by end of 2020, in the next year, they would, as over that time, that year and three quarters, negotiate a harder Brexit, new rules with uh, all of these countries. And they could outline, negotiators can outline new relationships and new trade agreements, etc. So the big question is, what does that mean for you as an investor? Well, 
odds are it's not really going to mean too much because it's only one country. But what it does show you and should educate you about is the political discourse that is happening, not just here in America. We're not a one-off. This is common throughout the world, this populism. And the big question is, what's driven it? Next Invest Talk. Everyone makes financial and investing errors, yet there are a few money mistakes that the super rich don't usually make. Five money mistakes that keep you from getting rich. That story tomorrow. But now Justin is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your calls. 888 99Chart. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Alex from Washington, D.C. Love listening to the show every day as you guys help keep my investment decisions well-grounded. I'm still in the process of contributing to my Roth IRA for calendar year 2018. I typically like to buy two to three stock positions each year and put the rest in low expense ETFs. One of the companies I'm looking at starting a position in is Markel, ticker symbol MKL. I know the company operates in a similar manner as Berkshire, but has a little more acquisition flexibility considering their market cap. One thing that does concern me is the impact of the new accounting treatment of unrealized investment gains and losses on stocks considering the recent market dip. Would it make more sense to purchase in early February after Markel reports earnings? And as well, does it make sense to invest in Markel at all? Uh, Look forward to hearing your feedback on an upcoming show. Thanks so much. All right, he's looking at Markel Corporation. MKL is the symbol, and they offer specialty insurance products and programs for niche markets. Uh, and it sounds like, from what he's saying, they also uh, they also make other acquisitions. I did see another uh, description that they built homes, so they might have uh, bought a home builder throughout time. And it is a $14 billion market cap. And just like Berkshire, it sounds like their main business is insurance. And they use that, uh, they, they use the premiums to go out there and purchase companies and earn above average return on capital if they're, if they're smart with their acquisitions. Uh, and over time, it looks like they've done very, very well. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's trending higher longer term, but it is about 16% off its 52 week high. And, you know, the big worry is that just like Berkshire is it's they tend to buy cyclical businesses. And one thing I like, though, is that Markel has no pretty much no debt uh, on its balance sheet, net debt. It's uh, enterprise valued is uh, a little bit lower than its market cap, which means it has some cash available, which to go out there and buy uh, buy companies maybe in this downturn. Now, it's return equity trailing 12 months is 11%. Let me take a look at what it looks like longer term. How how good are they at allocating capital, at making acquisitions? Because that's a, and a very important factor if you're, like you said, buying the stocks uh, and holding them long term. Uh, you want to understand what type of profitability they're able to achieve over time and whether this is something uh, that will earn above the cost of capital. Now, looks like it hasn't really gone much above 10. Now it's at 11 recently, but longer term, last 10 years, it hasn't really been uh, above 10, which worries me a little bit. I want to see that much higher. Now, you go back to the, in the 90s and many times it was above even 20% back in the, the late 90s. So 
you know, that was a good time for insurance companies and, you know, it's become more competitive. So I could see their business uh, tighten up a little bit. Um, but overall, I kind of like it. I like what they do. I like uh, that they're using that money just like Berkshire and have more flexibility. Like you said, you know, Berkshire, they're so large that they need to make massive acquisitions to make any difference. So they're not going to go out there and buy a $100 million company, a $500 million company. They need to buy billion dollar companies, multi-billion dollar companies. So I like Markel. Uh, I didn't think they have a dividend, right? No dividend, which is typical uh, if it's similar to Berkshire. So I like that, but I would be patient because we're starting a bear market and even Berkshire, Markel, those type of companies, very cyclical and likely to go down. So I would wait on this uh, for now, uh, but I like that it's on your watch list. 88.99 chart, 88.992, Let's talk about China. Their economic data recently has not been very good. Exports rose 7.1% last month and that was down from 7.9 percent uh, in 2017 and import growth declined to 12.9 percent from last year's 15.9 and this shows that their economy is weakening uh, imports are very important I know you think of China as an export co country but uh, their imports are very important and it's actually a leading indicator because a lot of what China does is they import higher value goods from all over Asia Korea Japan etc and they put it all together and then they ship it out right think of the iPhone most of the products most of the components aren't made in China but it's put together in China and so if their imports are suffering that bad, their economy and their export business is looking pretty poor. And so I could easily see them giving into the trade discussions and overall their economy is not very hot. And that's one of the big reasons why we're going into a bear market as well. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. And I thank you for your loyal support and questions. Have a nice evening, everybody. Steve will be here tomorrow. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.